You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme, then you got to be like the Sandman and listen to the podcast called Extreme Rewind. It's Sports Arena's Extreme Rewind, your weekly look at the world of extremes. We look at ECW Hardcore TV from episode one all the way to 401, a very pay-per-view special, and ECW on TNN in between. And of course, it is pay-per-view week. It is Heat Wave 2000, and I'm joined as always by Jay. What's happening, Jay? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, pay-per-views are always a good um, run for us to have, and, and Heat Wave is one that held a, a special place in my heart. Uh, so I'm excited to, to, to relive the revolution. July the 16th, 2000, from Los Angeles, at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. Do you know what the attendance was? Uh, I do, because oh. I've got the page open. Um, yeah, <laughs> 5,700, so, 5, 5, everyone. Yeah, that's... that's... For those who don't have the page not open. Not bad. Right um, so AEW for tonight have uh, attendance of 3,500, not a pay-per-view. Um, so, you know, not not awful uh, attendance size. Uh, it does feel small, bearing in mind of where, as we as we've always said, where where, where ECW was at this time in, in the, like, the, the heyday of wrestling. Um, well, the thing is, wrestling at this stage is, let's say, it's hottest or just slightly coming out of its hottest. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell the boom period because obviously Nitro's falling out its arse at this point. Raw's just living its best life. But um, they're sort of switching paces, so it's going to be a bit more like Jericho's. And I don't think Stone Cold's what he was at this point. He wasn't. Sort of, you know, full on. No, he's he's called slightly, um, and you know, we we can kind of judge that in the sense that he's very soon to be Alliance Stone Cold, isn't he? So it kind of shows you where he is. Oh, I forgot about all that angle. <laughs> Do you know what we need? Heal Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, but yeah, so you know, it kind of, does kind of show. You know, angles obviously on the up. Um. Stone Cold, less so. Rock beginning to look at Hollywood. Um, when was, I'm, trying when to, was I'm trying to Scorpion think he's in and out. The Scorpion Kings. I'm trying to think is that past the line. It's so hard because it's so. You, you kind of just feel like everything happened in 2000, but then you realise it's sort of they obviously they run. A lot later into 2000, sort of 2001, then you fought. You know, I kind of just imagine everything. So Scorpion King was released April two thousand and two. Yeah, so um, so I don't know when filming would have been. Well, because he would have had because WrestleMania eighteen hasn't even happened yet, which is Hogan Rock. If you think that, that yeah, so which... that he he goes to Hollywood after that because he comes back as Hill Hill Hollywood Rock to face 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 face. Hogan, isn't it? Yeah. So that sort of long, drawn-out intro where it's going through all the skylines and all that. So it's still quite... Um, like I said, you, you sort of feel like everything happens in 2000. It actually happens sort of a bit later. 
Yeah, I mean, so, you know, and, and to that, he can't do that because they haven't got the NWO yet because WCW is still in business. Hmm. Interesting. But, uh, yes, yeah, so he, uh, The Rock leaves WWE properly in 2004. Yeah. Um, I mean, he must have kind of been recording. Well, he, would time, start, but... he, he, would, he would have started to do bits because I know that he had cameos in things like Star Trek and stuff like that first. So the rock would have been involved, like getting more involved in um, that side of things. But yeah, I guess I guess it would have started. So he's um, just won the championship for the fifth time. Um, King of the Ring on June twenty fifth. Um, teaming with Kane, the Undertaker against Shane McMahon, Triple H, and Vince McMahon. Of course. Uh, Rock is defending his championship against he who shall not be named July 23rd at Fully Loaded um, and then successfully to defend his title against Kurt Angle at SummerSlam Kurt Angle and Triple H at SummerSlam yeah um, so yeah it's Rock on top he doesn't lose his championship until October wow um I feud with Rikishi, defeating him at SummerSlam Survivor Series. Does that mean we? This is the point where he did it for The Rock. Yeah, I guess so. I'm falling down a hell of a rabbit hole of just just confusing shit, and I'm really. I just feel like I don't remember half of it. But I probably would. Ah, October 9th episode of Raw, Commissioner Rick Foley used a slip of the tongue from Scotty Too Hotty to implicate Rikishi as the person who had run over the rock uh, over Stone Cold Steve Austin almost a year earlier at Survivor Series. Because of the slip-up of um, They said he was blonde, didn't they? And they just struggled to find anyone blonde, I remember that. Because <laughs> it was always going to be Billy Gunn or something to start off with, but it just... yeah. They, they got caught in a situation, I think, where they had to find. God. God, heat wave, 2,000. Yeah, I think. 5,700 people sitting there waiting for us to talk about it. Take, take us back to that, because this is, this. Uh, yeah. Um, back back in ECW, debut show in Los Angeles. Um, obviously, the thing going into this, we'll get into the main event, was the, the current, I don't want to say rise, because it wasn't really... XPW's emergence on the scene as a very similar promotion, signing, released um, ECW guys. You have your Cronus, your Rottens, um, Sabu, Sabu. You know, maybe well, in the future, you're going to get your new Jacks. Everyone, majority of them is going to do. So they're very much Shane trying Douglas. to do. Is Shane, Shane Douglas, Douglas there, yeah? there? Shane Douglas, um, he's been there and he's left. And he'll go back after WCW finishes. I believe. Because he, he basically went there, cut the promo um, about sort of Hulk Hogan. Then he'll just suck then and just suck now. Then got loads of money, went back to WCW. And then 
I think he goes back afterwards. Yeah, he goes back. With Supreme and Lizzie Borden and sort of almost as a triple threat thing, but I don't think it's official triple threat. Because I know that he ends up um, feuding with just incredible for the XPW title. Which is others. bizarre. It is, isn't it? Douglas would later become the final world heavyweight champion in XPW history. Yeah. First extreme championship wrestling champion. Last XPW champion. Yeah, see. Bookends. I mean, I think XPW's back now. Mm. They, had a, they had a show not too long ago because they had the big um, women's uh, tournament kind of women's champion but I don't know what the actual thing is with them um, yeah completely off tangent here Heatwave 2000 <laughs> take a view everyone show kicks off with the blue boy on the beach basically starts verbally attacking a guy who had like a decent body but was still calling him sort of fat and out of shape and, and all this obviously um, yeah sort of this whole like mean he's lost some weight and he's sort of going around being a dick and fat shaming everyone else in this whole sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we've already seen it with Gary Wolf, and now it's with Randos on the beach. Exactly. Which, again, it, it's cool, it works. It's just a little weird way to, to kick it off. It then goes into the Sinister Minister, who said about the blue boy uh, selling his soul to do this, and then um, he introduces the pay-per-view before we see Mikey in the sand. Yes. Talking about the uh, his favourite match, the stairway, stairway to Hell match that we will see later. Yeah, which how many more has there been? Like maybe one. There been Sam. I think Sabu? so. Yeah. Just weird. Um, favourite match, which is. Yes. One, well, one. well, yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. a really good point. However, also worth bearing in mind is that it later gets referred to as Tommy Dreamer's favourite match when it's happened once before and he wasn't in it. For <laughs> oh, the same it was. <laughs> um, Joe and Jerry do the pay-per-view intro leading to Cyrus coming out. Um, I think they get a lot stiffer here with their trades than they do yep. on um, TV. Although they were enjoying the fact that they could swear throughout they the were. show. It, it was, and, and you know... Uh, you know, I know that swearing's not big or clever, um, except when it is. Um, and it did; it felt like it did add something to the show. Some of the, some of the, the swearing in this, it did. You know, Joey Joey Styles being able to kind of you know, like Joey, say Joey. holy st- holy shit when the van terminator gets broken out. Yeah, I was going to say it gets that later on. It very honestly skipping towards the end, but we get to that um, very felt like he broke character. Both him and Cyrus when it was hit, almost like they didn't actually know what he was going to hit. Because we'll, we'll get to it, but there was a whole bit where he was just like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> you know, yeah. it was really just kind of relaxed shock thing. So um, that was really cool. Yeah, so they basically get into a bit of a a stiff kind of like tone. Um, Joe Gertner quits, um, but then he basically hides in the corner and doesn't really quit, and he just attacks Cyrus. Before the FBI kind of casually stroll out and randomly beat up people, um, 
before Bulls music hits, and we suddenly get um, Sally versus Bulls Mahoney in the opening match. Now, obviously, this is a match that's had a bit of build to it because, um, you know, Big Sal with the elbow drops off the, the, the ring apron through the table and, you know, tried to, try to take him out. Um, but it still feels drastically cold. So it's drastically cold. And it's, again, we talk about, um, I, I don't know whether it's just on purpose, slowly trying a new um, direction for the company or what, but again, like another, you know, quite quite original, like hardcore and kind of balls. I found it strange that he lost here. You know, I, I just yeah. I just assumed he would win. I mean, he was dishing out some, obviously, like you know, twenty twenty two sort of hindsight sort of chair shots that was kind of cringy, but um, he's hitting some big boys on him. It's just sort of, um, yeah, really strange. I mean. It, it's good to have balls sort of like start because you, you're going to get the crowd pumped and hyped. Nothing wrong with that. I, I was just surprised that um, Sally won because he's not really positioned as anything. No, no. You know, he's not, he's not really, everyone can see his size and obviously it's kind of like Yokozuna Mabel kind of presence, but he's not ever really booked as this absolute dominant threat if anything quite the opposite like spikes beat him in 30 seconds and others have generally sort of defeated him so it's kind of kind of strange but um yeah sally wins and gets one for the fbi which is fair enough absolutely um match lasted two minutes 30 we've got the times for the pay-per-view as well we're going to spice it up <laughs> so a short match straight to the point next we go out the back RVD promo talks about the band Terminator and how Scotty deserves it um, do you want to add anything to this? Uh, no uh, I mean you know it's it's it is what it is it's what it is and Scotty deserves it so there um, we see brief highlights of the Bobby Eaton Anderson um, confrontation slash fight from Tierden that we discussed not too long ago it's kind of strange again like I'd imagine I don't know if Eaton was supposed to be a part of this or what the go is it seems weird to show this angle here um, absolutely so I mean it, 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 in a slight retelling of history because I do not remember this from the opening from when we watched this on uh, the Hardcore TV or um, ECW on TNN I think it was yeah. um, it, but in a slight retelling of history um the the over the commentary now from Joey Styles talks about how absolutely uh, incensed Kid Cash is going to be because of how much he he respects and emulates beautiful Bobby. Um, yeah, I don't remember any of that at the time. So that's the in is that you know he, he, just like you know FTR would want to fight you if you ever said anything about Bret Hart. Kid Cash, beautiful Bobby. It's, it's weird. Um, I don't remember that time. I just remember saying how Eaters and Andersons have been got along for generations. I don't remember yep. anything else. But anyway, um, interesting note. 
CW comes to the ring, Dangerous Alliance tried to walk out of him and he sends them to the back. Yeah, I mean, actually, so, uh, you know, um, CW is introduced by um, Simon Diamond saying, you know, his usual Simon's got a problem. Um, Simon and Sweden have a problem, uh, but then kind of stops him for himself and says, and now we have a solution. And, and that's when CW comes out, which I thought was quite a nice yeah. play. Um, but uh, yeah, actually referencing the fact that he's not part of uh, the new Dangerous Alliance anymore. Well, sort of, I think. Watch them turn up on TV next week. <laughs> yeah, so we get that. So it leads us to the match, like I said, uh, Simon, uh, Diamond, and Swinger with CW Anderson. Versus Kid Cash, Dorian, and Roadkill. Um, I feel like we've had multiple combinations of this match over the past few weeks. Yes. You know, obviously, doing all that. So the match is given a bit of time. It goes 11 minutes and one second. Um, Cash, Dorian, and Roadkill pick up the win. I, I think it's right for the pay-per-view, obviously, to have the faces at least win the second matches because you can't be too... Kill heavy. These guys are sort of some of the young guns. They're pushing up the ranks. My only thing is, again, like we said on um, Hardcore TV when it happened, it just kind of makes CW beating Kid Cash and ending his unbeaten streak as such even more confusing because you've now sort of gone the other way and had Kid Cash now pick up a win on the pay-per-view. You just kind of think, well, why did you make him lose? Like, you sort of you were building up something, you were talking about it, and you just kind of halted it to then try to pick it up again. Yeah, I, I mean, it's they're, they're, they're trading again, aren't they? And uh, it doesn't really feel as if it was necessary um, for that to, to work through that way. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, I, I, especially as you've got, you know, you're trying to build swinger and and diamond you're trying to build cw as this kind of you know the problem solver um for them to lose after they've got serious feels straight after they've got serious feels a little reductive agreed i mean i think there's a lot of positives obviously cash jordan roadkill wins decent for them Big uh, Simon Diamond and Swinger finding their um, feet. CW, you can see a lot of growth. He's he's been viewed as like a, a threat more than he ever has been. He he was almost like a parody, I, I guess. But that's because he was surrounded by Louis, who was a parody. Yes. So it's hard not to view him as a parody because of the way it was done. But now he he's been almost viewed as you know we say a legit Anderson as such. You know, absolutely, and. Um... I think the other, with you know, hindsight and twenty twenty booking and all the rest of it, the other thing I would say is, um, I think having Kid Cash in with Roadkill isn't great for him because um, Kid Cash is fairly over up until the yeah. point where you put him with Roadkill, in which case everyone, you know, the reason why Doring and Roadkill are a babyface team at the moment is because Roadkill and everyone loving Roadkill. And whatever Kid Cash does, however amazing what he does is, the fact that you've got a 300-pound 
guy climbing the ropes and doing dives and all the rest of it. Um, just it's more of a wow factor from the crowd. So I think that he isn't presented as strongly or doesn't resonate as strongly um, because everyone's just waiting for Roadkill to do the dive. Yeah, no, Roadkill's just on his own. Um, he's in, he just, he's just popping up. I mean, he's, he's another one. And it's not to completely shit on the gimmick, but you feel like he could have been the right guy, but wrong gimmick. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking if he wasn't, you know, the Angrish Amish, angry Amish road, chicken plucking roadkill, you know, what, what, what singles championships could you put on him? But if you've, yeah. if you've set him to, you know, all he says is chickens. Um, I mean, it could work, but again, like the Dudley boys had to evolve away from the Dudley boys to become what they yeah. were. And I don't think with this, he's given a real, like I said, a chance to sort of evolve away as such. But you, you, you need him to have a manager, yeah. which means you probably need him to be a heel, which means you probably have to change his gimmick up because he needs to be, you know, brutality. Um, and that's not what's got him. And, and you'd probably have to change his style slightly because he can't do the the crowd-popping move set he's got if he's meant to be the heel. No, agreed. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, what could have been. Cause he's, he's, a, he's a big guy and he can he can yeah. fly, you know. It's, yeah, good it's wrestler. Very, yeah, very sort of bam-bam-esque in sort of like size and ability. But, um, yeah, um, but bam-bam was at his hottest as a heel. And, um, Bam Bam could cut a decent promo. Yeah. Um, so they get the win. Going on to another backstage promo this time. we got Rhino. You know a promo. <laughs> a promo is going to be good when it starts off with, hey, Sam, man, do you know what I like most? Putting your wife in the fucking hospital. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's literally... Uh, it's crazy how Rhino was booked in ECW compared to like anywhere else. I mean, I know promos like this, you could never say on like, you know, Raw or later Impact or TNA or anything like that. But man, is he just literally just like, um, say whatever you want, uh, fucking record, just let loose. And he just fucking lets loose. And I I am a fan of um, the whole, just take it take the belt, come on, take it, I dare you, take it, kind of thing. Because it's just, um, he's just mental. And because um, he just came in as the Taz killer and was just sort of just destroyed and embarrassed. He's an absolute intensity to another level here. Somebody's fully just embracing and loving it all. Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, the the right person to be the champion because... You know, I need this belt around my waist, not because I need anyone to tell me I'm good, but I need a reason for people to step in the ring with me because they won't step in the ring with me just to fight me. So I want them to come after this shiny thing. I want there to be a target on my back and I want to kill them when they get close to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Unreal. Right. It, yeah. Rhino's just um, great. And even like, yeah, loving his stuff at the moment. Um, takes us to the match 
Jerry Lynn versus Steve Carino. Um, again, this has always been a standout match for me. Sort of obviously Carino going from Tajiri straight to this. It's hard to kind of to fault it. This is you know totally big time Carino bleeding. Sort of thing, um, fantastic match. It, it's kind of been brewing for a while. I mean, it's you got the whole Lynn Izzy network, Izzy network kind of situation, and this one leads to like later down the card as almost a ECW versus the network pay per view. Yes kind of talent it was never like viewed as that but they could have viewed it as that if they wanted to but it never was but um so we sort of get that and um yeah the match itself is crazy Carino bleeds a lot obviously the standout moment in this match is the infamous Carino on his knees sort of bleeding in front of like Jerry Lynn well Jerry Lynn sort of writes like die on his chest in Carino's blood mm. I mean it's it's just the visually it's insane but um, again, Carino's growth as a player is um, phenomenal. Not player as a wrestler here, sort of like phenomenal, great match. Really, really enjoyed these two. Don't know what you thought about it. Uh, I, I completely agree. I mean, I love the fact that you can see the influence that Dusty has had on Carino here, yeah. really strongly. Not just with the whole kind of you know making blood look you know really dramatic. Um, but his storytelling through the match, his his you know his begging off, his heel work is just absolutely incredible. Now, um, Jerry Lynn continues to be, um, a, a, you know, a really really good wrestler in some really bizarre angles that just don't resonate with him. Um, he's he's struggled to find opponents who can kind of lift him. Um, you know, there was there was magic with RVD, but even that was was ring work first, and then the angle kind of came around it. And even that's been a little bit hit and miss. Um, but he felt like a big deal with um, uh, with Carino. Uh, Carino did such a good job of elevating him during this match um, to the point where you know Jerry Lynn, who you know, came out to death metal and his huge death metal fan and, you know, the uh, kind of roars that he does and all the rest of it in his promos that feel completely out of, of character because, you know, he's, he's usually wearing his glasses and, you know, quite softly spoken and all the rest of it. Um, was was just absolutely fucking metal in it. You know, the, the, the shot of him, you know, using Carino's blood to put on his face paint and then write the word die in his stomach before posing to the crowd, you know, you could see it just kind of unleashed something in him. Um, and, and Carino just did such a good job of, um, you know, and it's not about Jerry Lynn having bad matches because he never does, but there was always some kind of connection that wouldn't always get there. Um, I just I just feel my my problem with Jerry Lynn. I say problem loosely, um, is when they do the promos, they'll have him like in a polo shirt wearing glasses, and it's just such a disconnect to his in ring character. Yeah, 
Do you know what I mean? It's very much just like a Clark Kent Superman thing, but without it being that. He, he's just never portrayed... He's very just softly spoken, sitting there with glasses and a polo shirt talking about things, and you just sort of think... He's not... It's not Jerry Lynn. It feels like someone... I mean, if you if you're a film, it's like you're not talking to, you know, the character in the film. You're talking to the actor who plays the character. It's got that sort of sort of disconnect where you just think you could take a bit of time and and really sort of make it here. So I mean, he, he can talk, but I don't know. I just found it presentation. I, I felt yeah. weird. It felt like they grabbed him just before he got ch- after he got changed, about ten minutes before. He left the arena. They were like, oh, Jerry, can you cut a quick promo about what's going on? He's like, yeah, sweet, let's do it over here. And I just, I just felt like they could have done a bit more. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, you know, to a degree what I mean. That there's never, that there seems to be um, a lack of people who kind of, you know, get him to a point where his promos kind of, you know, have a rage to them. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just, you know, a little golly gosh it's just good to be here um and and carino allowed him to be more than just you know the the the, the really good guy who gosh you hope wins because uh, he's good at the wrestles yeah um and and you know he got he got he got darker he he you know there was they allowed a you know there, there was a feeling of a hatred between them um I was going to say, jump into like the future after ECW, MLW put Jerry Lynn with um, the Sinister Minister, mm. which I always thought was an interesting combination because obviously Lynn does have like sort of the music and, and stuff like that. So th- th- there is a connection there that you can work off. But yeah, no, Lynn was always with um, Sinister Minister in LLW and I just maybe not to do this, but again, it would have been an interesting sort of attempt or, or, or something they could have got going there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it just would have given him a different angle on it. I mean, even the, the, the network stuff would have been fairly interesting if they'd kind of decided to kind of, you know, actually let him be a heel. Um, mm. But uh, but no, I, I, I thought this was a um, an incredible match. I thought this uh, was was every bit as good as I remember it being. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that take. Yeah, everything we said takes nothing away from the fact that this was phenomenal. No, I'm, 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 I'm building it up. I, you know, I, I, I'm complimenting of them course. both yeah. because I, I think that it's it's one of those kind of um, pairings and partnerships that really just kind of you know connects and 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 lifts both um, both competitors. And, um, Fifteen minutes twenty three. It was given so decent length. And um, which I think is about as long we've spent talking about it. <laughs> well, well utilized, so great match. We get the highlights, obviously, everything that happened at Hardcore Heaven with the Sandman Rhino and um, Laurie Fulham getting pole driven. And um, at this point, you'd almost question what the main event was, yes, <laughs> because obviously it does flip into the others, so you almost have like two halves of the show, almost like build, 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 first half main event. It'll be a second half main event kind of like feel, but you, you almost believe this was the um, the main event they were going through. To follow up, we get a promo from the Sandman, obviously continuing to hype up his match later tonight with Rhino. So 
uh, Sam and sitting in the back and he's yep. talking about uh you know how he's uh wants to destroy the destroy Rhino because you know he has to go home and you know his, his wife's in the hospital for seven weeks and he has to go home and tell his kids that, you know answer his kids questions about you know when's mum coming home and all the rest of it and as he's doing this and, and Laurie Fullington peaches as we know her as is rubbing her neck because obviously she's got absolutely decimated I'm thinking why keep bringing her back surely it's just dangerous isn't it just 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 leave her alone why keep bringing her back and then as I'm thinking that Rhino beats the shit out of him and tries to drown her in the toilet. <laughs> but it's even this whole like, oh, I'm just going to um I'm just going to the show. Do you want to come along? It's like, do you know what? I'm good. I'm probably just gonna watch it on pay per view. For the sake of like, you know, thirty dollars. I might just watch it at home and not have the living shit kicked out of me again. Yeah, it makes sense. No job. I probably prefer if you're away. Last time you came, you know, you nearly died. So it makes pretty yeah, much I mean, sense. You know, it's the American healthcare system. So it's like, you know, it's cheaper if I just watch it on pay-per-view. Because yeah, the hospital quite, bills uh, are more than $30. Yes, yeah, so it's quite, it was, it's funny. Sort of what they're, um, they're sort of playing out with it all. But um, we didn't get an instantly forgettable Chet and Nova versus the Baldies. This match goes five minutes. Chet and Nova win. Uh, I understand Chet and Nova continually to build for a, a, a tag team tournament or tag team something that's threatened forever. They're trying to bring up the tag team rank. But my main disappointment here is what the fuck's happened to the Baldies? I mean, New Jack literally gave them everything, put them over. And you just sort of think, for what? So... Um... We have we have been remiss to point out that by this time, Dawn Marie has joined the commentary uh, team. Of course, yeah. Um, uh, and and I only remember that because they were trying to work out what Nova was wearing. Um, yeah. So so, New Jack's on crutches. Yeah. He tries to come out and get into the ring, um, but the Baldies beat him up because. New Jack, so you know the feud never ends. Um, and then Chetty and Nova run out to make the save and to 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 attack and beat the Baldies. And and you're right, you know they 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 the Baldies are so far down the line here. They are not taken seriously as a tag team, and I do not know why. Um, you know they are they are the ones that were. It was dangerous because they had, you know picked up this marker that was against um, Dreamer and they were going to take him out. Um, and ever since they jobbed, they both, all three of them jobbed to Dreamer, um, they've just not done anything. They've, they've just kind of slotted further and further down the card. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I know they're trying to build a, a tag division um, and Chetty and Nova are in the mix. The Baldies could be in the mix. Baldies, again, should should be in the mix. I mean, obviously, I know they go for a different sort of thing with the, the tag teams once they get doing it. Just kind of like very just like crazy worker, worker, worker tag titles. The, the Baldies could have been, apart from they can work, they could have been amazing. Like heels 
as tag team champions if they'd done it. They'd not not Dudley Boy Heat, but they could be like a couple of levels below. But what what the best tag teams in ECW have had is that fear factor in them. You know, the eliminators coming out and just destroying teams with, with total elimination. Um, you know, the gangsters just, you know, breaking public enemy even, Shower Griff. Um, you know, the, the fear factor of them. Um, and the Baldies have that, or at least could have that, because, you know, you have got the, the fact that, you know, they, they've destroyed the original gangster you know they've 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 got these these you know hardcore tendencies they've done the wars with the likes of um uh bulls mahoney um so they could give you something that the other teams don't have that that intimidation element that you know respectfully the fbi or um uh you know Doring and Roadkill, or the New Dangerous Alliance, or um, uh, Diamond and, and Swinger, they don't have. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, it, it, no major thing, just kind of, okay. Just, I was just disappointed. I mean, um, I don't understand checking Nova. Again, the strong team and not a problem them, them winning as such, but it just feels. I don't know what's going on with the Baldies. They just seem to be very much lost when they weren't. They were, they were, they were a violence, you know? Yes. Um, next, we have an Angry Dreamer promo. Very reminiscent of his time with Raven, headbutting lockers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Mick Foley. I love... Cactus Jack, I love what he did as Mankind. I think some of the kick, the Mankind and Cactus Jack promos um, are really, really, really good. Um, I think they're less good when they're delivered by Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> it's just like we said about um, sort of Jerry Lynn and it's just not because I'm trying to think, is this like the, the first time? Yes. Dream has spoken in it. This is it. Yes. This is the promo. This is this is him talking about everything. Everything. This is him addressing the fact that you know he's he's not said anything for the last however many months, um, and that you know he 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 made it all worthwhile. He he proved everyone wrong for eight minutes. Which the the thing is again, I understand him doing this. But this is stupid. This should have been on TNN. This is a go home promo. Yeah, I mean, it isn't the go home promo. It shouldn't. I know, you but, know, they, but do you know what but... I mean? This should have been like. Yes. This should have been on TNN. This should have been, you know, you thought the show was over and then the dreamer starts talking and basically delivers everything and everything he's going to do and all this built up frustration and how this Sunday he's going to, you know. Not just take the title, but destroy Justin. You know it, that was the one. But um, which is why he wants this match. You know why? Why? Yeah. Why do you want a barbed wire match? Why is it this one? Yeah. Um, so we get that. We then get a fatal four way with Tajiri Whipwreck. Well, it's Tajiri Guido and a returning Psychosis. Yeah. And then we kind of get surprise Whipwreck. 
it's an international three-way dance. Yeah. Which Mikey Whipwreck comes out to join to make it an international four-way dance. Yeah. Um, psychosis looking good. So, something occurred to me whilst watching these entrances. Yeah. I, I don't understand the overdubbed music. Yeah. Because there's some themes like Doring and Road Kills, um, Diamond and Swingers, where whoever's in charge of the music for overdubbing ECW and WWE obviously do not give a fuck. And it is the most generic, shitty, Casio keyboard demo, yeah, whatever. And then you get something like Psychosis, who is in, I don't even know if he does, you know, more than just this match. Yeah, he does. But even if you did not know that he came out to Smashing Pumpkins, you'd be able to assume that from listening to a very good Smashing Pumpkins-esque song that they've... Right. Made for him, picked for him. Yeah. Even if it's even if it's picked for him rather than made for him, um, you know, it it's someone who's paid attention to it, and that's just not where they are with so much of the other music. Yes, weird. I mean, on this one, on the pay per view, I find Dreamer has it because obviously the pay per views went up on the network first, and the hardcore TV mm. came on. A good while later so obviously they dubbed these really quick but some of them like dreamer did but then i got confused because i kind of sat there and thought when they did nitros jericho and nitro would come out to break the walls down obviously yeah. minus the countdown just straight break the walls down they walked out and i'm thinking a lot of these guys have been in the fed yeah but even like dorian and roadkill were, were there Generic music or not, they were all there. So surely you kind of sit there and think, just give Dreamer whatever his WWE music was and give Justin Credible his WWE music. Or So you'll have a connection. Not Uncle Cracker, but, you know, one of the other ones. <laughs> or, or just give them all um, Steve Blackman's theme. Um, Never get bored but, of that. No, I mean, this thing, and you're right, I mean, Dreamer's does sound like his... Um, Whilst uh, Whipwreck doesn't sound like you know, he does sound like it's it's you know a a a Beck or yeah Trent Reznor style person singing. Um, Group. You just have to really change over to the um, I'm not sure if they're called Unholy Alliance, whatever they're called. Him and the jury, well, their music becomes. But again, even like um, oh, what was I going to say? Raven. You could have just given him his WWE music. Yeah. Rather than that sort of crap they've done. Sandman. Yeah, you know, he's he's got like dead music. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And then you would have had a connect and almost they would have done the usual kind of, you know, WWE washover and sort of rewritten history like they love to do, but it would have still it would have been a connection, at least you would have gone, Oh, they've just used their theme, I get it. 
Yeah, strange. Um, it's strange. This match in total is at 9 minutes 12 seconds. We get a lot of crazy action. We get some fast action. Um, four of the best in ECW is like pure workers at this moment. That's, yes. I'd say then a lot because they got some great ones. First elimination is Guido pins Whipwreck with um, a bridge German suplex after just one minute 35. So as good as it is surprise popping Whipwreck, they kind of just um, destroyed him a bit, which is strange. Yes. Um, a couple of minutes later, Tajiri pinned Psychosis after a dragon suplex at four minutes 28. And Tajiri pinned Guido with the brain buster onto a steel chair, obviously the nine minute 12 mark. Now, yes. it is different. And I acknowledge before I even say anything more that it is not the same and it is different. Um, and it's assuming that people know what's going to happen. But um, in a couple of matches' time, yeah. you will have Van Damme introduce the Van Terminator, yeah. which is from one end of the ring to the other kicking a steel chair into the face of someone who is prone in the corner. Yeah, drowsy in the corner, so. Yeah. Um, if you know that's going to happen in some way, shape or form, do you think the tree of woe chair propped up sliding baseball slide from the other side of the ring to kick the, door, the chair into the... Do you think that's just too, too similar a spot from Tajiri? Or is it different enough that actually no one notices um it's different in the sense of the 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 camera angles but i personally would have avoided it Uh, but i guess it depends how many people actually knew what the van terminator was going to be so i feel like him and scotty knew but my, my gut says that he actually kept it as a surprise to get a, a natural reaction. I mean, I could be wrong. Everyone might have watched him practice it for hours. Absolutely. It, it, it I mean, it, it, vibe. it did feel as if it was um, an unknown move on it. Um, but I mean, you know, and we've, we've done this with Tajiri matches before in regards to, you know, if, if uh, a brain buster is going to be the finish to this match, then don't have it five times in your match. Um but yeah, it just it just feels like you know, and it is a completely different move. I acknowledge it's a completely different move. I acknowledge that you know, running and sliding is not the same as jumping across the ring. Um, but there are similarities to the setup. There are similarities to the impacts. There are similarities in the sense that the same tools are used. Um, and I just feel that again, you know, the agents in in this setting up the matches could have just. You know, made that even more special by by telling Tajiri not to do that spot. I don't think it hurts them this match if they don't do that spot. No, agreed. It, it, like I said, it was it was a nice spot, but it didn't offer enough for it to be. It had to be this that they could have worked around it. Like you're saying, um, but Tajiri picks up the win. He marches on to just to do more Tajiri stuff, I guess. More unholy to Jerry stuff. Ooh, that's soon, isn't it? Mm. Um, next up, we get a just incredible promo. He said that pay per view tried to hold ECW back for years, and tonight they introduce Barb Wire. Uh, it was it was far too much of a babyface promo. 
yeah. for me. Yeah, I mean, he should have just ragged on Tommy Dreamer. Uh, it should have been chicken shit about yeah. not wanting to do this. Yeah, shouldn't have to do this, and all this. Yeah, agreed. Um, next up, we get Rhino Champion versus the Sandman. Um, oh, I'm so torn with a lot of these, and obviously, I, I bring this up as a comparable to like the um, the main event, not jumping around too much. But I honestly felt like either Sandman or Dreamer should have won. Yeah. Especially considering there's no other titles. The tag titles are still MIA. Exactly. Because you have this very... Even though the the stories are different in like maybe aggression-wise, there is somewhat a similarity in the whole old guard kind of chasing the new, you know, heel prick champion. And the fact they just sort of can't get it done. Yeah, my... uh... My issue with it remains that it feels like Sandman should have got a decent amount of recompense at some point. Um, yeah. You know, he's lost God knows how many times. He's been put through God knows how many tables. He's been screwed out of things God knows how many times. His wife has been absolutely destroyed so many times. Um, it feels like there should have been some sort of, um, you know, triumphant moment yeah. after all of that and and you just don't get it no or they could have gone the other way where it was like sandman had it won but he chose to try and do something to end rhino and it backfired or save his wife yeah exactly there's some like stupid kind of he had it won but he just he just did something silly and it kind of like screwed him but um yeah no it wasn't wasn't to be like um we get a guardrail that's sandman's big thing and spike made a little cameo as um sandman and spike freed carino a bloody still carino so again there's a lot of good bits but i just i felt this one especially i don't know especially because the other one it makes no sense as well it's like like Sandman could have easily won this. Yes. And you've had the moment of him being the grand, you know, getting his grand slam and all the other bits. There's, there's enough reasons to do it, but it just sort of feels like he just came in, had a little bit of momentum, then just lost it and got bad. And yeah. Then, yeah, Rhino, eight minutes 38, Rhino retained. Um, which was swiftly followed by RVD versus Scotty Anton. Obviously, big anticipated, kind of like one of RVD's sort of big returns to pay-per-view against his former best friend, debut of a new move. And again, it was just kind of like, similar to like a TNN match, you know RVD is just going to get time. He's he's given 19 minutes and two seconds here, which is a lot of time for this um, pay-per-view longest match. Um, easily. Uh, yeah, I mean, interestingly, or maybe not, uh, it's the longest, longest match and I've got the least to say about it, really. I mean, it's an RVD match. He's not back to full strength. You can see that. He's still a little bit rusty. Um, Scotty Anton's not the greatest of 
opponent for him. He, he, he can't carry RVD in the same sort of way as someone like Jerry Lynn has. Um, but it's all about the Van Terminator. It's the thing. I mean, it, it's kind of like so insanely clever in the sense that you're purely, or not purely watching this, and that's for this reason. But the main selling point for this reason is basically at some point you're going to see a match uh, move. There's a brand new RVD move and it's crazy. Yes. You know, and it's, it's actually really, really clever that it's just like no idea what it is, no idea where it's from or what it might do or how it might hit it. But at some point it's going to happen. When you see it. And you fucking know when you see it. It was exactly what happened. And we said um, um, when he did hit it at the end. But can I just say, I, I, a nitpick in here, which is really quite perfect nitpick, but it did bother me, is um, RVD going for pins. Yeah, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll pick that up um, in the next match because that's where it really bothered me. Um, yeah, no, I agree, I agree, and, and it's, it's that it's, kind of like you know, if you promised that you're going to debut this new move, it's so devastating he deserves it. But then multiple times you're trying to get a pin, and you think, well, what if he can't kicked out? And and you know the whole thing about this is is it's about wanting to hurt him. Yeah, not. You know, I just, I just kind of sat there and thought, and what what happened if he just in these lame attempts, he'd actually just beat him. Yeah, and that was it. Wraps it up. No big move. Oh, okay, sorry guys, I thought I was going to see it, but he he didn't kick out. Maybe you would have beaten him up and hit him with the Van Terminator anyway. Maybe we'll never know. No, I just I just found like I said, it's real nitpicking. I just I just felt strange. But I just felt like the priority was meant to be batter the crap out of him. Until it's time to unveil this move, then yep. just sort of one foot him and just stand there and do the fun thing. Um, but of course, RVD does win, like we said, after 19 minutes and two seconds. We then get the main event. Uh, both competitors make their way to the ring and basically sort of just uh, Dreamer comes out with Jazz and George as like his secret weapon in this. Well, Obviously, so he comes out with Jazz. Yeah. They get into the ring. They both then point, and George comes out with the ladder. Yeah. And everyone, because obviously, gorgeous George is, is trademarked by WCW, so she is George, and it just means that everyone has to go, she's gorgeous. And throughout the match, it's like, oh, and she's gorgeous. There's probably other words you would use if you were naturally just... Reflecting yeah. on on her being beautiful, it reminds me, it reminds me of um, when Cody was in Impact, and he wasn't allowed to use Rhodes, so he'd bring Brandy out with him. So it would always be Cody and Brandy Rhodes, mm. and it's sort of just a way to get Rhodes in there without actually referring to him as Cody Rhodes. It'd just be Cody and Brandy Rhodes. It felt like that, sort of them just trying to find some ways to get it for just loopholes. Um, so they come out basically before the matches really give a chance to get going. There is an altercation in the crowd. Um, at the time and years gone by, obviously, this is known that this was XPW um, who were there and getting to sort of like a shoot sort of fight with them. They're taking great offense. I, I, was, I was told it was just drunk people. I mean, it might be the case, but... Yeah, they, they potentially were drunk as well. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can notice a few of them. I'm pretty sure I saw Supreme there, and um, yeah, Kid Chaos. Yeah, Kid Chaos was there, and um, a, a bunch of others and stuff like that. I mean, it, it 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 kind of went out. I think someone did something to to Francine, and it sort of escalated. I'm not sure if it was Lizzie Borden. I can't remember what the the story was. I know um, Cultaholic do a great piece on YouTube basically running it all down into much more detail than we'll go into. So if you want to know more about the, the story that was the XPW. Dark Side of the Ring cover it as well, as yeah, well Dark... as the rest of the XPW yeah. insanity. So it's, it's worth checking them out for a little more behind the scenes and and insight and stuff like that as a little sort of add-on piece because it's, um, it, is, it is crazy. And... Um, it was a shoot, brother. It wasn't, wasn't a good time. I think it led to a parking lot fight, I think, apparently. Yes. Um, but the match itself did go on. This was given a little bit of time, 12 minutes and 20 seconds. This is the Stairway to Hell match for the ECW World Heavyweight title. Justin Incredible defended his title against Tommy Dreamer. The rules are you need to... Climb the ladder to get a little piece of barbed wire. Once you get a barbed wire, you are allowed to use it. Um, However, Joe, what do you think? You are also allowed to pin the person without getting the barbed wire. Um, and Tommy Dreamer um, does on a couple of occasions just try and pin him. Um, which, again, to the point of, you know, you've picked this match for its barbarity. You've picked this match because you want his blood. You've picked this match for, you know, to, to get some revenge to then just kind of go maybe I can roll him up just felt a little bit kind of weird I, I, I can understand it from a heel perspective of chicken shit I don't want to get scarred up I've seen what's happened to you I don't want that for me so actually if I can beat you without having to you get you anywhere near the barbed wire I'm good but um, uh, just seems strange the other way um I enjoyed this match. Uh, I enjoyed it as much as I remember enjoying it. Um, I think there's some good spots in it. It is a spot match. It's nothing kind of more than that. Um, I, I remain a little bit deflated about how much the barbed wire is or isn't used uh, when it's yeah. finally got. Um, the George heel turn um, makes no sense to me. Um apart from it's just yet another person turning on Tommy Dreamer. Um, yeah. And and I, I feel that there should have been something more with Jazz and Justin Credible, just in ECW in general. Bear in mind, this has got to be one of the longest running feuds. I don't think Justin Credible still has said her name. She's never said her name, and there's never been any real... Everything's based around Jazz trying to get Francine or helping Tommy Dreamer, not the fact that Just Incredible kind of turned on her. Has Nobody been a dick to her for since the moment she walked in. There's never been any real history between them. And uh, that's what I sort of find, I say, sort of confusing with it all. Um, but Just Incredible does retain. And um, he is going on. Again, with this one, I, I guess this is sort of more, I say, the right decision then. Sort of the, the, the Sandman, I, I, I do sort of see it. But um, again, 
I feel like with the right promo and an earlier promo, you could be massively heavily invested in a whole kind of like, fuck yeah, Dreamer, let's do this. But I just, I don't think they allowed it to. No, and I also don't think there's, I don't know where you go with Dreamer after this, bearing in mind you've done the whole kind of, you know, how much he needs this, what this means to him. After months of silence, you know, what he wants and and he didn't get any of it. He didn't get his revenge. He's not been able to skyrim him up. He's not taking his belt. He's not, you know, he the whole problem about paying his dues and, you know, getting his just rewards and, you know, he's lost the girl and he's lost friends and he's lost blood and he's, you know, lost health and all the rest of it. Um, you know, it's 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 funk without the 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 forever moment. Yeah. And um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was what it was. I mean, it was solid enough. It was just, it was just kind of, just the end bit was weird. There was no, there just wasn't enough heat going into it for me. But again, I don't know if I'm just nitpicking or what. But overall, um, I thought it was, a, it was a strong pay-per-view in, uh, in-ring work-wise, extremely strong. I thought it was great. What was your own thoughts of pay-per-view and obviously afterwards your match of the week? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought um, it was a bit uneven, um, but, you know, I thought everything was, was decent or above. Um, uh, I, I, you know, it's one I remember fondly and it's one that's, you know, lived up to, to where it was. Um, I... So I went back and forth about my my match of the week on this because um, there are some very very good matches. Um, so the four way dance is a very good match. Um, RVD and Scotty Anton, uh, not RVD's best, but it's a good match. Um, you know, Cash Doring and Roadkill versus Diamond Anderson and Swigger is a good match. Um, you know, there are some, some really solid wrestling matches on this. Um, so subjectively, ob- objectively, it should probably be one of those. However, subjectively, with my heart rather than my head, um, Jerry Lynn versus Steve Carino um, still gets me for all the reasons we talked about. Yeah, I mean... Visually, I mean, in-ring works, but on visually, it had the moment you'd notice forever. Uh, obviously, I've never complained about Steve Perino match being match of the week because obviously, if I know he's a Steve Perino guy, but um, yeah, I can't argue with that. I think it was. It had, it was... and I think that's exactly right. So I think that there is a, um, you know, technically it was good. Was it the best? Possibly, possibly not. But it was a very good match. However, connection to the story and also the outcome that it probably should have been, um, you know, puts it above Rhino and Sandman and Credible and Dreamer. Is that back-to-back um, Carino pay-per-view matches of the week? Because I think Tajiri I was your pick, wasn't it? I think so, sure. yeah. Pretty positive you picked the Tajiri Carino as well. I think so. so. Which, which very exciting. Yeah. Obviously probably just shows my, my, my bias. No, not at all. They're, they're, they're blinding matches. I mean, if you watch them, I reckon, you know, ignoring the amazing in-ring work coming out of it, apart from the Van Terminator, I think the main talking point from the pay-per-view would be Jerry Lynn writing die on his chest with Carino's blood. It's true. 
It's, you know, it's, it's the standout moment. Um, obviously, get involved, talk extreme with us at underscore sports arena, Instagram and Twitter. We love to hear anything ECW. We love to be tagged in anything ECW. If you've got an old shirt, new shirt, replica shirt, tribute shirt, anything like that. Um, tag us, gets involved. We always retweet and share it to everyone. Um, custom figures, old school figures, any new school figures, anything like that. It's extreme. We love to see it all. Or just anything, really. We love anything ECW. Or just casual chat. Just see yeah, it's about the carnage in AEW. We've got views. Just don't talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> just don't want to hear about um, Roaring <laughs> 2000. The rock going Hollywood just tends to rabbit hole and we get confused. But that's part of the fun of it, and, and that's part of the journey it's we're the on, trying to work you out if it's in. Part, part of the, the, the coolest thing about this is jumping over to Raw and WCW and just sort of like trying to work out what the hell is going on. Like we said back in 97 that we kind of found it really hard that certain bits were happening in ECW at the same sort of time of other bits were happening and it kind of seemed weird that they were running parallel because you just time-wise you assumed there's about two years difference kind of thing and it just yeah. still, still feels it now you just kind of sit there looking at half this stuff and you know you just kind of feel weird that the rocks sort of facing angle at this time and yeah and and, and part of that is because again um our timeline of watching this originally was out because we were having to wait for it to come on pay-per-view and be released on, on VHS or DVD. Uh, you know, we weren't watching this weekly. So to try and then put this into context as to what we were watching weekly on WCW and, and WWE is, is just an interesting kind of, because the reason it feels off is because we would have watched this, you know, 18 months later. Yeah. Um, and, and and so that kind of timeline is is us kind of correcting ourselves in the in the space time continuum. Oh, I like it. Um, obviously, we'll be back next week with the Fallout shows. Everyone knows the Fallout shows are always fun shows, so make sure you get involved with that. And um, yeah, that's me, Dan. I think it's just left for you. It is, and just like Mr. Rob Van Dam himself, that was the whole fucking show. <laughs>